Hey, this is Rob Coburn, and we are excited that you're joining with us today. If you're a part of the Summit Dover family, whether in person or online, we'd love to connect with you via social media at the Summit Dover on all social media outlets and on our website, thesummitdover.com. We can get you plugged into our app or our YouTube channel, as well as giving options and opportunities to connect with the Summit Dover family all around the world. I hope this word today encourages you and inspires you. Let's jump into the message. So we are continuing in the series on mission, that we are on mission so that every man, woman, and child will hear, see, and experience the gospel of the kingdom. That's our goal. That's our mission at the summit. We've gone over the global mission for for what the church is called to do. We've gone over our local mission. We've gone over our passion, what we're called to do. We've talked about how we have to be in the word as our foundation. Every single day, we have to have a life in the scriptures. And so in 2021, January, if you watch the Christmas Eve service, you realize what we're going to be doing in 2021. You'll be receiving messages through the loop that will tell you exactly how to enter that group and be able to follow us along. And we're probably going to share it in the loop as well, but it's not as easy to communicate that way. So please join the Facebook group if you have Facebook and uh, and you'll be able to comment and, and engage in the conversation of what God is doing. As we enter through that journal into 2021 as family, you're going to hear the voice of the summit. Now, I may have the loudest voice of the summit right now, not just because I have a microphone, but because I'm appointed to be here in this hour. But there are many voices of the summit that you need to hear. And there are many voices in the church, in the world, that need to be shared. Because God is speaking to every person as long as we're willing to hear. And so join in that. Get your journal. If you don't have one, we've got extra. If you didn't get one in the delivered to your porch or however it was delivered to you. Uh, we also, Jen and I were talking. We love the conversations. We got to deliver some of them. We love the conversations and the time with our family as we were out delivering those. And I know that the rest of the team had those conversations as well. But thank you. And as we enter into 2021, may the word be your constitution. May the word be your guide as you navigate the beginning of the new year. So we've talked about life in the scriptures. We've talked about Holy Spirit encounters. We've talked about healthy relationships. We got halfway up the mountain with those three things. And now as we talk about the summit mission and vision, we're going to go to stage number four. This is influence in the world. Now, We know that if we have life in the scriptures and we are having Holy Spirit encounters, it's going to lead to healthy relationships. The biggest jump, I believe, in the the mission to go to the top of the summit of this mountain, I believe that the hardest transition is between three and four. Now, you may say that it's getting godly perspective at the top and we'll get there, but I believe that it's this transition between healthy relationships and influence in the world. Because everyone understands what relationship is. We were born into relationship. You didn't get to choose your mom and dad. You were born into that relationship. We understand relationships and we understand good relationships and we understand bad relationships. We understand healthy relationships and unhealthy relationships. We may not know the navigation tool to get to healthy relationships, although it is through life in the scriptures and Holy Spirit encounters. But we may not know the actual key for that one thing that we need to shift a relationship in our life. But the hard thing is understanding how do we influence the world? We come from Dover, Ohio. We're in Dover, Ohio. How do we influence the world? Well, let me tell you just a few statistics. Right now, this broadcast via technology, as long as Facebook and YouTube and all of them uh, are still streaming us right now, um, we are reaching the globe. Now, You you may say, well, yeah, that's great, but we only have 100 views. Well, let me tell you, all of this is also being broadcast on the AGA network, and the last time I checked, we were in 60 different countries being watched every single week. That's not through broadcast television. That's directly through the internet, through an app, and and I'm here to tell you that what's happening here is impacting the world, And, uh, and I am so just enamored by what God is doing through the faithfulness of this group because we are influencing the world. But that's not what we're here to talk about today. That's all good. And if you don't have the app, go download it. You'll see lots of messages from lots of great people. But what we're here to talk about is how do you individually, not as a body, but how do you individually influence the world? 
Now, you may say, I'm too old to influence the world, or I'm too young to influence the world. That You will have every excuse in the book, because this is the hardest transition. There are treks on the, on the mount to the summit that are the hard ones, and I believe this is it. So let's dive into some bullet points, and then we're going to get into some stories about how you can influence the world. So we believe that we're all to be ambassadors of the kingdom of God on earth. We're to be an ambassador. An ambassador shares what the home country wants to be implemented in the foreign land. And that's what we're called to do. Well, don't you think that an ambassador has some influence, at least on the ground, in which they have control over in a foreign country? Of course they do. Whatever the ambassador says is what happens. And so we're called to be ambassadors. We're called to draw people into the kingdom of God via the Holy Spirit, via the gifts and talents that you've been given. But oftentimes, we settle for taking a spectator seat in the kingdom. When you take a spectator seat, you watch the game play out. Just as Zacchaeus, as Caitlin mentioned, was watching Jesus. Yes, he wanted to be there, but the crowd was too big. There were many excuses that made him not go directly to Jesus. So he wanted to watch. And he wanted to see what was going on. And we often get caught up in the watching of the world instead of the influencing of the world. In, in the 1970s, the church watched as Roe versus Wade was passed and implemented in the country. We were spectators of what the world was doing and not influencing the world. Now, some may say that it's too late. It, things have happened. We are in a place where we can't make any change. And I'm here to say that that's exactly the voice of the enemy in your ear. Because we do have every option to change the world. There are four key characteristics to influencing the world that you need as a person to accomplish this. The first one is character. It's not going to be on the screen for you this morning. It's character. So write this down. Character is essential. We have to have healthy behaviors and patterns in our life to be influential in the world. Does that mean that you can't make a mistake? Does that mean that you can't have done something that would, would, uh, would slow you down? We understand that sin isn't what keeps us from going to heaven. It's denial that Jesus died for us. Sin just keeps us from the best that God has for us. And so this character thing is helping you to behavior in a behavior that people can trust you. People can rely on you. People can acknowledge that this character that is in you is trustworthy. The second is relationships. We have, to influence the world, we have to build bridges of understanding into cultures that allow us entrance in. So not only do you have to be trustworthy, you have to have integrity, but you have to build relationships enough that people will allow you to enter in and bring the kingdom into the conversation. So many times the church has left that to being an insular relationship. What do I mean by that? I mean that we would rather gather before worship and after worship and find out how our neighbor's doing than we would talk to the person at the grocery store and create a relationship with Susie at the grocery store. And every time we go in, we make sure we step in her line because we know that her, her son is having an issue or her daughter's having an issue. And by building relationship and being a trustworthy person, we give entrance to the gospel into the life of that person. Or we can just go about life and we enjoy our church family. And we, not that that's wrong, but he's called us to influence the world, not just inside the four walls of the church. The next thing is to be constantly listening to the Holy Spirit so we're allowing the gifts of the Holy Spirit to flow into relationship. That increases our faith. It increases the faith of those who we interact with in relationship and it increases the impact of the kingdom of heaven on the earth. And number four, leadership. Now, I have talked with so many people inside the church that have said, well, I'm not a leader. Well, if you're breathing, you're a leader. If you're breathing, you're leading yourself. Now, you might not be doing that well, but you're still leading. You, you're leading yourself. You're leading your family. You're leading people at work. You're, people are watching you, and you're a leader. Maybe you're a youth, and you're a leader because you're leading your own life if that is the only place. But as we lead, we have to lead from the kingdom perspective 
And when we lead from the kingdom perspective in culture, we gain control of the culture. Now, if you've ever had an issue in your house where there's been distraught things happening and maybe things seem totally chaotic, when we implement kingdom structure and leadership, things come into order. God is calling for a church in this hour, especially in the United States of America, to come into order, to come into relationship, to come into listening and, and moving in the Holy Spirit. There's a few scriptures. Proverbs 11.20 says, He that wins souls is wise. James 5.20 says, Turning a sinner from his error. That's our call. 1 Corinthians 9.22, Paul becomes all things to all people. He's a bridge builder. Now, interestingly enough, Paul was a bridge builder, but he never compromised. Okay, there was one amen there. He was a bridge builder, but he never compromised his belief in what God had called him to do. Why is it that when the church comes, when the world comes against the church, the first thing we do is compromise? First thing we do is question. No, we're here to influence our community and to take authority and rule and reign. But we're doing it for what purpose? Is it to make our name bigger? No, it is to win people to the Lord, to convince and to work with people to cleanse their life, to say there is better for you than what you currently know. There is better things for you. And 2 Timothy 4, 5 says, we are here to do the work of evangelists. I remember uh, a conversation I had years ago about uh, working with churches and, and budgets and all of that. And one of the things that, that really the Lord spoke to me, and I didn't speak up in that meeting, I did later on, but in, in this conversation there should be a line item on our budget that talks about souls. There should be a line item in our budget that, that is investing money into winning souls for Jesus. And there should be a lot of money invested into winning people out of sin that are born again and discipling them into wholeness. Probably the largest part of our budget should be that. Because when people come out of the world, we understand that they need help. And they need to see what life can be like without the trappings of sin. So we're on this mission. I've given you the, the overview. Now I want to drill down a little bit. And I want to tell you this morning, you were placed in time to influence your generation. You were placed in time to influence generation. The scriptures tell us that you were thought of before the foundation of the world. Your book was written. Everything was done. And so God said, you know what? I want to pull out of time... I want to pull out of eternity and put into time each one of you sitting here, each one of you watching. It is no mistake that you are here this morning. It is no mistake that you are on the planet on December 27th of 2020. It is no mistake that you've walked through this craziness of 2020 and sit here today ready to launch into 2021. It is not a mistake. And you were created to influence your generation and the generations that follow you. He took you out of eternity. I don't think that we give enough thought to the understanding that God took us out of eternity and planted us on the planet so that we could accomplish a calling and a destiny to bring heaven to earth. We work our jobs. We get our paychecks. We do the things of the world to just survive. And God says, I'm tired of my church surviving. I want the church to thrive. Now, we've talked over the last weeks about life in the scriptures. Thank you, Pastor Phyllis, for bringing all those scriptures to us and the stories and, and all the things. And, and we have to have that foundation. And, and I encourage you, if you're not in the word every day, do it because it is your constitution. The reason why America is in the problem that it's in is because most of you can't quote these 33 pages. The reason why the church is where it is is because we've taken this and left it on the counter to get dusty instead of reading it and understanding what he means through the scripture. It is time for a shift, a kingdom shift. And then we talked about Holy Spirit encounters and what God has called us to do, the two types of the Holy Spirit encounters and how we're supposed to encounter him every day. And then Pastor Caitlin spoke about healthy relationships. You were placed in time. It's not an accident that you're here on this planet. When Jesus walked the earth, 
He came with one simple message. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. We should be walking with that same message today. The kingdom is here. The kingdom is within you. And we're here to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. In whatever gifts, talents, desires, passions he's put in your heart, you're called to do that. That doesn't stop at age 65. That doesn't start at age 18. It is a lifelong call that is put in you so that you can bring heaven to earth in your own specific way. Now, I've heard over time that that if you don't do what God's called you to do, he'll send someone else to do it, and it won't be done exactly how he wanted it done. For real. If that's the case, that if you don't do what he's called you to do, he's going to send somebody else to do it, then it's not being done exactly how he wanted it done in the first place because you were disobedient. And I've been disobedient, and you've been disobedient. But it's time for us to be hearing the voice of God so clearly that we're doing it right. And there's no excuse. There's no excuse about, I need this, I need that. No. What we need to do is focus on Him. And in His presence, we will have the direction that we need to move. What Jesus came to establish, we've talked about this, was not an earthly thing. He came to bring an invading army to plant upon the earth a kingdom that would transform all kingdoms of this world, that would rule over every kingdom. That's what we're called to do. Not just to exist inside of the kingdom of the United States of America, but to dominate the kingdom of the United States of America. Now, some of us are called to do it in many different ways. Some of you are called to be in a pulpit someday. Some of you are called to be in a Sunday school classroom. Some of you are called to work your job in a cubicle and bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. Some of you are called to, at the end of, of working life to be retired, but that doesn't mean you're retired to not do anything. You're supposed to be refired and ready to go back and do more of what God's called you to do. Now, how do we dominate in a way that brings the kingdom of heaven to earth? It's not because of our power. It's not because of our authority. We talked about it during the kingdom clash. It's because God has all power and all authority, and he's given it to us as believers. So what does this look like? Let's read in Isaiah, Isaiah 2, 2 through 4. Now it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow to it. Many people shall come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of God of Jacob. He will teach us in his ways and we shall walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations and rebuke many people. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. Now today, I, I only have one plan for you, one visual for you that will help you understand what influence in the world should look like in your life. Now I want to tell you the history of what this process is, and then we'll get into what it looks like. There is a message out there, there is a belief out there about the seven mountains of culture. And I want to tell you the history about it. In 1972, two generals in the faith, Lauren Cunningham, Youth with a Mission, if you remember that, and Bill Bright, Campus Crusade for Christ, each had separate dreams that they were supposed to share. The Lord said to share them with each other. They had separate dreams. The Lord said to share them with each other. They'd both seen this seven-mountain strategic plan of how to shape the culture of every nation. God told them to talk to each other and inform each other as if they would capture these strategic places that they would reap the harvest of nations and the nations are transformed by the kingdom of God. In the years following this meeting where they actually laid out what God had showed them in these dreams, this message has grown. Lauren Cunningham eventually passed the mantle and now Lance Wallnow is carrying it. He, along with Johnny Enlow and Os Hillman, have written and taught about this extensively. These mountains are molding what the church should be doing in this hour. Now, many of you know this message, so don't turn me off. If you've heard it, 
Don't turn me off. There's going to be something in here that will touch you this morning. But I want to highlight these seven places that we're supposed to influence. The influence is not just in this building. It's not just in Dover, Ohio. We are called as a church to influence all of these seven mountains. And we're called to do it today. We're not called to wait. We're called to do it today. Now, if you hear these seven things and you say to yourself, I'm not quite sure where I fit, that's okay because I've got an eighth one for you. The first one, the first mountain that they talk about, and I'm reading directly from their information, so um, we'll get into some scripture, but I want to read this accurately because they saw the vision. Religion is number one, the first mountain. It influences us to worship God in spirit and in truth through the spirit of religion. Now, as we talked about in the kingdom clash, there's a positive and a negative to this mountain. And the second part is the spirit of religion that dominates this mountain right now that dominates this mountain distorts worship and truth with the doctrines of man and the denial that the Holy Spirit and the power of God are part of his plan for man today. This mountain is something that we should be ruling and reigning as believers in Christ. This is the religious mountain. And there are people that don't even believe that God exists ruling this mountain in the earth today. Why? Because the church has been silent. Romans 8.19 says, For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly awaits the, revealing, awaits the revealing of the sons of God. All of earth is groaning. Can you hear it? If you just go outside and listen for a minute, you can hear the groaning of the world waiting for the sons and daughters of God to understand that this is their call to rule the religious mountain. There are some of you in the room that your call is to rule the religious mountain. This influence in the church that we put the doctrine of man aside and we start to listen to the Holy Spirit and we implement what he's saying in this hour without apology. Number two, the mountain of family. It empowers us with the blessing or it enslaves us with the curse. I love that Jesus came and turned every curse of the Old Testament into a blessing in the New Testament. And there are so many people that believe that family is still the curse thing. But it's not because we were created to be family. As the alignment of God and man became distorted, so did the alignment within the family to the point that most parents have turned over their responsibility for molding the minds of their children to the schools and to the media. This means that the dominant influence in the lives of Christian children are the messages of the powers and principalities of the earth that currently control this mountain in our culture. We are called to rule and dominate the family mountain. Now, family is close to God's heart. We know that. If you just go back into Genesis, we can read that. From the beginning, when God created man, he said, it is good that man should not be alone. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. So he created woman as a helpmate. That's in Genesis 2.18. Then he blessed them and told them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. Genesis 1.28. Even after they fell into sin, God continued his plan for families, even that he spoke prophetically about salvation that would come through the seed of the woman. That's in Genesis 3.15. God had the plan for family. And just like many other things, as a church, if we're not focused on what God is saying in this hour, we will miss our influence in the mountain of family. We will miss our influence in the mountain of family. Later, after the flood, after he redid the earth, he said it again, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth, Genesis 9.1. He continued this plan with Abraham in Genesis 21. And so it goes all the way down to the fullness of time when he sent forth his son. We read about that in Galatians 4.4. He has always been focused on family. Even in this hour as millions of children are at home learning on a daily basis, we still see a culture that is influencing our children more than we are. Today is not to talk down to the church. Today is not, it's to inspire you that God has given us seven ways, and I would say an eighth one, he's given us to completely dominate the world in which we live. Are you willing to do it? Government, the government mountain. I don't know, this one holds a special place in my heart. The government is supposed to restrain evil or, and enable us to prosper. 
But how has that fallen? Prideful ambition and a spirit of control are primary influences in the government mountain. Proverbs 29.2 says, When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when the wicked man rules, the people groan. We are witnessing now people that forgot the last line of the Declaration of Independence, which says, Things which independent states have the right to do. And for the support of this declaration, with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. We had patriots in the founding of this nation that was built on biblical concepts and Judeo-Christian ideas who said, we will do anything to save and support this independence. And many of them were hung. Many of them died. Many of them lost everything because they put everything that they had into support of this idea of freedom. I stand before you today on December 27, 2020 and tell you this. We are about to enter the next revolution of our country. It's not about land. It's about the hearts and minds and the freedom of our world. When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. It is time for righteous people to step into places of influence and power in this government mountain that will not waver by blackmail, that will not waver by being converted or subverted by foreign countries, that will stand there and say, I have given my life, my fortune, my sacred honor to make sure that freedom exists on the planet because it is a God thing. Maybe today you're called to the government mountain. I was talking with the Lord this week and just said, Lord, I, I want to know what is your plan for the church in these mountains? What is your plan for this? And I believe that there is someone called from every church to be in every mountain. I believe that there is someone in every single church all around the world that is called to live and breathe and rule and dominate in every one of these mountains. Maybe that's you this morning. The next mountain is education. It communicates the truth and principles of God, or it can communicate the truth or the lies and the principles of the enemy, of darkness. In most countries, the focus of education has shifted from godly principles to worldly values, and that rights and liberties have been trampled on to give us things like Darwinism. Now, the education system was formed by Dewey, we know that, and Dewey based his whole education system on Darwin. I believe there's a restructuring coming to education. Proverbs 22.6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. If we allow the education mountain to be ruled by people like Dewey and Darwin and their thoughts, because they're actually ruling from the grave. If we allow that to happen and we're not willing to pledge our life, our fortune, our sacred honor, we will see generations go and freedom fall. The next mountain is the media mountain. It interprets information and events through the lens of good or evil. The reason why we need Christian brothers and sisters in the media mountain and, and controlling it and, and ruling it is because we need Christian viewpoints to be the filter in which we see news. And instantly we will see propaganda go away. Instantly we will see propaganda disappear. The doom and gloom that dominates the media is a result of the spirit of fear. One of, one of these is controlling the mountain of media. Arts and entertainment. This celebrates or distorts the values of a culture. If you go back through history and look at the arts and entertainment, you will see either the, the building of a culture around that, the highlighting of a good culture around that, or you will see the denigration of a culture because of arts and entertainment. This mountain is essential to the kingdom of God having influence. I love the movies that, uh, that have come out in the last few years that, that depict the kingdom of God. And I believe that when more people engage in this mountain, we will see the gifts and talents of godly people producing things that are honorable, wholesome, 
and reflective of our created process. Arts and entertainment can be a picture of the presence of God. Are you called to the arts and entertainment mountain? The seventh mountain is business. It distributes resources used to honor God or celebrate man. The spirit of mammon that is the top of this mountain convinces us that money is the source of our prosperity. I heard this week that there are many in Congress pushing to take in God we trust off of our dollars. They've been doing it for years. They haven't ever had the votes, but they're still trying to do it. And they might as well replace it with what most people in Congress truly believe, and that is in money we trust. But we don't. And it's time that we elect officials who understand business enough that the spirit of mammon will not rule this mountain anymore. Those who will be held accountable. I want to take you to a scripture that, that I love. And in fact, when Caitlin mentioned Zacchaeus, I was like, wow, I'm going right below there. Go to Luke 19, verse 11. So Zacchaeus, we know, we know about that, and God talked about that. Jesus talked about that to the disciples. Today salvation has come to your house because he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. There's lots of lost things on these mountains that we, as we dominate, are called to restore and to heal. Okay, verse 11. This is probably one of my favorite parables because it talks about how we're supposed to have influence in the world. Now, you may not see it, but as I read it, you're going to see it. Verse 11, now as they heard these things, Jesus spoke another parable because he was near Jerusalem and because they thought that the kingdom of God would appear immediately. Why did he speak this parable? Because they thought that the kingdom of God was going to appear immediately. It gives us the reason. They're, they're thinking that all of a sudden everything is going to shift and he's going to rule and reign. And he says, no, I'm going to tell you this story because it has influence. It teaches you the influence you should have in the world. Verse 12, therefore he said, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and return. So he called 10 of his servants, delivered to them 10 minas and said to them, do business until I come. Now, I'm sure that you remember there was another parable that Jesus talked about, about the talents. And in the talents, he gave them a talent according to their ability. In this one, he says, I'm giving you all a mina. Now, a mina was about a day's wages, whatever that equals out to in that day. Let's just say he gave them all one coin. He gave them all a mina, and he said, you all, all got the same deal. And I'm calling you. I'm giving this to you. I'm going to go receive another kingdom, and I'm giving you this today. So it's a little different than from the talent message. Okay? So he said, do business until I come. What is this mountain that I talked about, the seventh one? Do business until I come. What is controlling the, the business mountain in today's hour? The spirit of mammon. So let's continue. But his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him saying, we will not have this man to reign over us. And so it was that when he returned, having received the kingdom, he then commanded these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. So they weren't supposed to just sit on it. Right? Then came the first saying, Master, your mina has earned five minas. I'm going to repeat that because there's significance in that statement. The first came saying, Master, your mina has earned ten minas. And he said to him, Well done, good servant, because you were faithful in a very little, not just in little, in a very little, you now have authority over 10 cities. Now, I want to take you back to the talent message, okay? They were given talents according to their abilities. They were told to go and multiply them and do that. If you go back and reread that, I want you to think, when you go back and reread that this week, I want you to go back and do that. When you read it, it says, when the master returned, the men said, this is what I have done. I have multiplied. I have done this. 
And they were given talents, and some got thirty, sixty, hundred fifty thousand dollars. They got a lot of money because they had the talent, and because they were ruler over that in the talent story, they were giving they were given more of that because they took it upon themselves to take the credit. So they were giving more of that. Now, influence over something small that is inconsequential and influence over the benefit of it going forward is still influence over something small. They were influential over money because they took it upon themselves to claim responsibility that they did it. Master, I have multiplied these talents. Master, I buried these talents. Through the whole story, they're reflecting upon themselves. And that's not what this story says. Let's go back into verse 16. Then came the first saying, Master, your mina has earned ten minas. And he said, Well done, good servant. Because you were faithful in very little, you have authority over ten cities. And a second came saying, Master, your mina has earned five minas. Likewise, he said to him, You also will be over five cities. Then another came saying, Master... Here is your mina, which I have kept away in a handkerchief. You realize I have kept away. I have kept away. There are some people, even under the sound of my voice this morning, that have taken the credit for what God has done in their lives, and they continue to receive more influence over that thing. The church is poised to step into an anointing in which we don't take any credit for what God is about to do, and He will give us influence over cities and over nations. There is a difference in a reward that comes from the position that they took that they were a steward. The Master said in the talent story, I give it to you according to your talents, and they replied, I have made you That's good. I'll put you over more stuff. Because you want the credit. I'll put you over more stuff. And in the Mina story, the master gave them the command and they said, your Mina has made. That's good. I will put you over cities. If we're going to influence the world, don't you think that it's better to be influential over cities? Having authority over cities and counties and states and countries that's what he's calling us to do that's what the seven mountain theory is all about that we would walk in authority in all those things that we would rule and we would reign but if you're going to make it about yourself it ain't going to happen one person in this story of the talents worked for the money In the story of the minas, they allowed the money to work for them. The anointing that God has given you will do the work for you to accomplish what he's called you to do on whatever mountain he's put you on. It's not just for this room. It's not just for the church. He's called you to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. In essence, what the scripture is saying is God is saying that if you can be wise enough to make the money work for you, you can be over cities. If you're wise enough to allow the anointing to make room for you, you'll have influence over cities. When people, when leaders, Christian leaders that believe in the anointing of the Lord, that believe that they hear God's voice, that are walking in authority, attain a spot on the mountain, prosperity comes. Because they know it's not about them. The problem in Washington is because everybody's made it about them and what they can make, what they can do. There's no reason why an elected official, George Washington didn't even want to be, they wanted to make him the king. And he said, no, I don't want it. And yet we have people who want to be king. This is not a vision for one day. This is not a vision for for the conquering of mountains to happen overnight. But if we never begin moving in that direction, we're never going to see the increase of our authority over a nation. And by not doing it, we've seen the decline of influence over a nation. I was speaking with somebody yesterday and how much their 
friend group despises freedom, talks down about freedom, makes comments about how freedom, we should all be socialists, we should all be communists, we should all, why do we even have freedom? These are the people that are ruling our country and the generations that are to come. If we do not rise up right now and stand in these places upon these mountains and on the walls of our cities, we are going to watch every freedom upon the world disappear. Because when countries around the world are enslaved in all the nastiness that comes from all these other things, all these other types of government, where do they always look? They look to America. I want to give you a scenario of when multiple mountains and believers came together to see restoration. In 1992, AIDS was declared an epidemic in Uganda, and up to 30% of the population infected in some regions, and no effective battle plan to stop the spread of AIDS. It was then that the president of the country called together the leaders of the Christian community for their advice. The result was that they called a multi-sector approach. As the official Ugandan AIDS commission reported, responses were generated from various stakeholders at all levels and from all sectors. Representatives from the church, family, and education mountains became partners with the government, and AIDS was reduced from 30 to 50% within 36 months. Individuals and organizations within each of these spheres of influence applied biblical principles to stop the plague. Or you can wait on a shot. Some strategized solutions or enlisted the help of experts in creating marketing campaigns and networks and distributing things all around the country to enlighten people on this battle that was happening in front of their eyes. Everyone, committed to, everyone was committed to solving this problem and bringing kingdom principles to bear. And they all had a role to play. Kingdom-minded transformation and vision and determination can make all the difference in the world that you see outside your door. Are you willing to be a part of it? You see, it's not just about the battle of the mountain on the bottom. It's not just about doing the daily things that need to be done. It's about going after the summit. Right now, there are people controlling these mountains that have no care, no desire to even acknowledge that God exists. And we're devoting ourselves every single day as the church to bring heaven to earth. And yet, when we look at this world, we can be defeated and frustrated and see the things that are happening as a negative to what's going on. But I come here today to tell you that when you even have a little bit of light inside you and you go to a dark place, it shifts. Our responsibility is to be on these mountains. Our responsibility is to rule and reign on these mountains. That means a few things. Number one, we must become strategic at hearing the Holy Spirit and doing what He says without questioning or worrying about what it means for us. When the founders declared their lives, their fortunes, their sacred honor, most of them knew that they would probably die. Most of them knew that they would probably lose all the wealth that they had created. Most of them knew that in the end, it probably would not turn out good for them personally, but it would turn out great for the freedom that they were fighting for. Are we willing to sacrifice those things for the cost of the kingdom of God? So what does this mean? This means knowing the heart of the Lord toward the people that we are engaging on the mountain with. It means partnering with other organizations, ministries, and pastors, and, and missionaries, and those who are willing to fight in the same direction that we are, and saying we're all together to fight this foe. It means coming into the to agreement of the strategy of how to take the mountain. That may mean that you lay down everything that you've been fighting for and you join in the cause of fighting for the mountain that is there because there's a strategy and a plan and you're called to do it today. Yeah. 
It's to surrender to what the Lord says and do it every single time. This requires preparation of your heart. This requires an understanding that it's not just church things that we do that we're on mission. This requires us to be on point and on mission every single time. I want to give you another picture of history. Think about the invasion of Normandy in World War II. Plans for this invasion were years in the making. Things were all lined up. Things were ready to go. Things were happening. And the Germans looked at that and said, they're building a defense. They're trying to put together a defense. But in actuality, it was an offensive that they were about to unleash on the Germans. I believe that in this hour, the church, when the enemy is looking at the church, he's looking at the church that we are defensive, that we are forming our battle lines to defend what we've had for all these years. And I'm here to tell you that we're about ready to take some ground. We're about ready to take some ground from the enemy. The German intelligence assumed that the British seafront activity was for protection. The enemy is deceived. He's a liar. And he can't hear correctly either. And he believes that the church is on the run. And that's not the case. My daughter Kylie and I were scouring Netflix at the beginning of COVID and wanting to find a show that would be just something we could watch together that would be wholesome, that wouldn't be nonsense. And we stumbled across the title of this show and I thought, wow, this has got to be really good. The title of this show is Churchill's Secret Agents, The New Recruits. And I thought, man, this will be a great time to think about history, to watch this together, to think about what Churchill was doing. And she didn't even know who Churchill was, but she wanted to watch with Dad, so we began to watch it. In July 1940, Europe was at war. This was Britain's darkest hour. With invasion seeming inevitable, Churchill signed an order to create a new secret army, the Special Operations Executive. This was training average people of Britain to be spies to go behind the lines of the German forces and to disrupt what they were doing. I'm here to tell you that this is the eighth mountain. In my mind, this is what I feel. I'm not changing Lance's deal. I'm just saying I believe that the Holy Spirit is tapping on people's shoulder in this hour to be secret agents, to go behind the lines of the enemy and disrupt the plans that he has, not only for this country, but all around the world in this hour. So what did it look like? If you watch the show, you'll see that they took people today out of Britain and they put them through the training that happened in 1940. And you get to watch them as they journey and some of them completely fail and some of them succeed. There's two people in the journey that, that I want to take you on right now. When you watch it, or if you watch it, you'll see what I'm talking about. There was this man who had a great military heritage that was selected to be a part of these in the 21st century, going through the same training, the same places, everywhere that they... It was all exactly how it was in the day when Churchill signed the agreement. And this man with a military background that when you've watched the show, you think this dude is going to make it. He's the guy. And he didn't. And then there was another lady who was a grandmother who was retired. And when you look at the first episode, you're like, there's no way. There's no way. But in the end, she was one of the most tactical. And she passed above everyone else. Because she believed in the cause. She believed in the mission. She believed in what God had given her as talents and gifts. And she learned how to lie to German officers to get behind the lines. She learned how to decipher Morse code. She learned how to transmit messages and move quickly so that they weren't killed. You realize that when those spies were behind the lines of the Germans, when they would transmit a message back to the, back to the officers, when they would transmit a message, they had 15 minutes or they were killed if they didn't get out of there. And in this training, of course, we're now in 2020, but in this training, 
You were able to witness the stress, the, the pressure that was put on them. And the people that you would think are going to make it didn't. And the ones that you thought, man, this is questionable even if they can swim, make it. I believe that the church has been the first part of that group sometimes. And I think that right now in this hour, we're almost the second part of the group. The enemy is looking at the church saying, ah, oh, they just enjoy their Sundays too much. They just, they don't think that they have the power. And some religious people on the religious mountain are saying the same thing. But it's time for us to come out of the shadows and be the special operations executive for the kingdom of God. There are some of you now that are called to be intercessors to go behind the lines and disrupt the enemy right now. Not tomorrow, right now. Are you ready? As a body of Christ, are you mature enough to be trusted with this mandate? How do we know? I'm going to give you some questions to ask of yourself this morning. Are you passionately seeking a relationship with God through His Son, Jesus? Have you learned how to love one another, even the ones you don't want to? Do you seek to identify and remove the lies that you've believed, the vows you've made, and the unforgiveness that you've held in your heart that would interfere with your relationship with God? Are you renewing your mind and aligning it with what God thinks about the world around you? Are you living in faith? Seeing what God has spoken and walking it out, even if everything around you doesn't look like it's going to happen. God is calling for us to have faith in this hour. Are you currently co-laboring with God to bring people into the kingdom? To love them? If you can answer yes to these questions, then you're on the path to becoming what He's called you to be in this hour. You see, as his presence goes forth into a region, there's healing, deliverance, prosperity. And we're called to tear down strongholds, release blessing, and bring heaven to earth. That's what I get from these seven mountains. It's not just supposed to happen in these doors. It's not supposed to just happen in other churches around the region. It's supposed to happen in the world. That this is where we're coming together in 2021. I don't want this to be about what does Pastor Rob have to say. I want it to be about this is what happened this week when I spoke to somebody and I spoke to the demon inside of them and I cast it out and they're here with me this morning. I went to the hospital and prayed and this person got up and came home. They're here today. And I want to share their story. Or the person here this morning that says, I have to move. I have to move away from Dover. I have to move to Columbus. I have to move to Washington, D.C. Because I'm called to intercede or I'm called to run for office on the government mountain. Or maybe you're called to be the mayor or school board member, township trustee, to bring the kingdom of heaven into those places. When the church gets a hold of this message, we will start to see the kingdom of God's influence on all of these different mountains. And we won't have to look to someone who doesn't believe that God exists to make a way for us. I want to read to you a scripture. You can turn with me. Ecclesiastes 3. Before the revolution of the United States was in full force, there were some anointed pastors. They're called the Black Robe Regiment. And they believed in freedom. And they believed in the call. And there was one that preached a message on this scripture. And I want to read it to you this morning. And then we'll close. And the story goes that he preached a sermon on this scripture and then he took off his black robe and underneath it was a uniform. 
And he said, I am going to war. Any able-bodied man, you can sign up today. We'll start in verse one. To everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to gain and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time of war and a time of peace. Can I speak to you this morning? We're at war. We're at war. The time is now to pick your side and begin to fight. I believe that God is calling people in this house for every one of those seven mountains and indeed the eighth, the secret agents of the kingdom. One thing I love about the game of chess is this. Most of the pieces on the board are limited to moving in different directions, but all of them have to stay attached to the board except for one. The knight can move in many different directions, and it can actually jump over things. And I believe it's time for the knights of this house to rise up, that you would come into agreement and intercession for not just our country, not just for this church, but for the kingdom of heaven to be released on the earth, that you would jump over things and you would end up in other countries, that you'd be speaking life to those people during your time of intercession. It's time for the secret agents of the kingdom of God to arise. And it's time for the church to begin to take our spots, to begin to take our role on the mountains of this world. The time is now. Would you stand with me? Father, today we celebrate the ending of 2020. And Father, we look into 2021. Today, Lord, we understand the gravity of our world. We understand the gravity of the call that you've placed upon us as believers to take authority, dominion, and rule and reign over the mountains of culture. Father, today I thank you for those men who heard the voice, who saw the vision. And I thank you for those people now that are sharing this message. Father, today we understand that the time is now. Equip us for battle. Equip us for understanding the tactics and, and tricks of the enemy and help us to defeat them at every combat point. And Lord, may we speak freedom. May we speak love. May we speak understanding to those who we come in contact with. Father, we give you our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. We stand with you, with what you say in your word. And Lord, even in places where we miss it, we ask for your grace and your empowerment. The time is now. The time is now. Lord, as we depart this place, May this revelation, may this truth sink into our hearts. May we understand the gravity of the situation. And may we effectively hear you and execute your commands as our king. Father, as we enter this new year, 
we close out a year where the word was kingdom impact and we accelerate into 2021 knowing that you are our provider, that your anointing will make room for us, and that as we stand boldly in the face of craziness, that your angelic realms are with us. Give us boldness, I pray, that we may execute your command without question. Now as we go from this place, may angels go before, behind, and beside. And may you be honored in all that is said and done in this house as we enter 2021 making a priority for prayer, intercession, organization, tactical training, and execute your victory everywhere our foot may take us. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week. If you enjoyed today's message, I would like to encourage you to like it and share it on all social media platforms or jump on the website, thesummitdover.com or the app and click the giving link and help us continue to share the message of the kingdom across the world. God bless you and have an awesome week.